everyone, and welcome to God's Plan, Your Part, a podcast where our goal is to read the entire Bible in a year, seeking to understand God's plan of redemption while discovering daily and practically your part in it. How wicked is too wicked? And is it possible to be so evil that God is not interested in hearing your repentance or forgiving your sin? That's what we're going to jump into today. We're looking at 1 Kings 20 and 21. Uh, And it's kind of a deep dive, sort of, into this character Ahab. We've seen him from a distance, kind of, um, where he has been opposing Elijah. But these two chapters kind of jump us right into Ahab's story instead of Elijah's story. Well, I think it's interesting that you said that, like, how is somebody outside of the ability to be, like, saved by God? I think that kind of goes back, because that caught my attention right away. I was like, that's not right. (laughs) Um, Because... Uh, if you go back even, like God told the people of Israel to destroy nations because their backs were completely, like, they were turned towards God. Like, they were never going. Um, they were turned away from God. Right. Did I say towards God? Whoops. Yeah. Uh, that was wrong, too. Anyway, so we definitely have seen instances of that before, which, like, is helpful to think about because it's like, well, what about grace and what about grace? But there has been a grace extended over and over and over again, mm-hmm. um, and the decision is to always just continue to turn away. So I actually kind of liked – there were other instances of grace in this in these chapters too. Um, first of all, with, like, the actual kings and then with God himself. So in chapter 30 – or excuse me, not 30. In chapter 20, verse 31 – um, there are servants who are trying to like figure out how to like be on, I guess, good terms again, um, with the Kings of Israel. And it says, behold, now we have heard that the Kings of the house of Israel were merciful Kings. Let us put sackcloth around our waist and ropes on our heads and go out to them. And maybe they will spare your life. Um, that caught my attention right away, uh, because they like, they, I guess, Israel is known to be, like, to have mercy um, at times. And I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, because in the past when they've given mercy when they weren't supposed to, that was, like, real bad. But I think that was for different motives. It it at least shows that people from other nations at the time understood or at least had heard that Israel was a different kind of nation Mm -hmm. and the leaders of Israel were merciful. And what's interesting about that is that most of the kings at that time were ungodly kings. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, does that mean that the character of God carried over through the nation, even though they were far from God? Um, What's tricky about that story is that we find out that the mercy that Ahab shows is not necessarily smiled on by God Mm -hmm. um, because he wants Ben-Hadad to be put to death and has commanded so. And so when when, um, Ahab... Uh, shows mercy to Ben-Hadad. It's very similar to when King Saul showed mercy to kings he wasn't supposed to. Yeah. Um, And God does not love it. But in this case, it didn't seem like there was anything, like, definitely wrong. So that was interesting. He basically just proclaims that Ben-Hadad is going to die eventually anyway. But overall, I guess the the shining point from that is, like, they were known to be a somewhat merciful nation. Like, they have God on their side, so, like, what God says to do is what they should and usually do. Um, but at the same time, they're also known for being merciful when they didn't necessarily have to be. The weirdest part of chapter 20, chapter 20 is kind of this, I, it feels like standalone story, 
about the Syrians battling the Israelites. Mm -hmm. And Ahab in this story, we've already seen Ahab worshiping Baal and kind of leading um, or allowing the worship of Baal to expand in his kingdom. And married to like super evil Jezebel. Yeah, we'll get, we'll get into Jezebel in a second. I do want to talk about Jezebel. Um, what's interesting about it is that so far what we've seen about Ahab is that he is a wicked king whose heart is far from God. But here in chapter 20, he is listening to God. Mm-hmm. To some degree, mm-hmm. um, he he is failing at the end with Ben Hadad. No, because they they defeat this nation exactly. over and over and over. Exactly, they they're they have turned to the Lord, and the Lord gives them victory. They have a smaller force. Um, there's many reasons that they should lose, but because they turn to God, and there actually are even prophets in this story, um, having them turn to God. So Ahab is kind of a complex character, in that when we've heard about him prior. He's not a very good dude, and he seems to be, at this point in his life, um, at least softening his heart toward God, um, because in chapter 21, there's some significant repentance that happens. Mm-hmm. Now, it's in the process of terrible wickedness and, and evil, um, but there is repentance there, and what's interesting is that even though this king is so wicked and is known as one of the most evil kings in Israel— when he repents, God honors his repentance. It is pretty mm-hmm. scandalous, mm-hmm. it feels like. Well, it's also kind of weird, too, because you have, like, this, like, obedience in chapter 20, where it's, like, defeating, 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 because God allows them to, because they're, like, seeking God's direction. But then you get into 21, and he turns into this just, like, big, whiny, almost, like, big, whiny baby at the beginning, because he asks for someone's field... And they say, no, like, this is my inheritance of my father's. Like, it's just so silly. And he just kind of, like, sulks around. He's, like, all sad. And then Jezebel comes in. And she's like, oh, that's what you want? Like, I'll get it for you. And basically kills off Naboth, who owns the field. And what's crazy about that is I'm just having, like, complete David vibes. Like, David wanted Bathsheba, so he just sent the guy out to go get killed. So it sounds really crazy, but this is like some stuff that we've seen before. Speaking of things we've seen before, uh, this is a a pretty wild situation. So Mm -hmm. Jezebel is super evil. Um, But what Jezebel does to get rid of Naboth is that she publicly has people accuse him of taking the Lord's name in vain so that he can be put to death outside the city. This is exactly what the high priest has done to Jesus. Hmm. Um, find people that will accuse him. And it's recorded in the gospels that people brought false accusations against Jesus and the ruling council. And Jesus is handed over to the Romans and crucified outside the city. Um, but I was reading this story thinking like, oh my goodness, this is exactly what happened to Jesus. Um, so it's kind of an interesting parallel. I don't know that there's mm-hmm. any deep significance to it. Um, But Jezebel actually is sort of pointed to as the one who is encouraging Ahab to be wicked all the time. If you look at chapter 20, um, verse 25, there was none who sold himself to do what was evil in the sight of the Lord like Ahab. They could just finish the sentence there, comma, (laughs) whom Jezebel, his wife, incited. Oh, man. Mm -hmm. So Ahab is kind of having this period in his life where he seems to be softening towards the Lord and Jezebel is like, nope, we're not doing that. Let me just do some more wicked things. 
Yeah, it's so, pretty crazy. Also in chapter 21, we get Elijah waking up from his, I don't know, crying in a cave and fasting. And, <laughs> and the Lord is like, hey, Elijah, I need you to go back out after Ahab. And Ahab, when Elijah shows up, is like, oh, my word, not you again. Yeah, but what's crazy is he actually repents of it because we hear, like, as a result of Ahab and Jezebel's complete, like, evil, disastrous decisions... They're like they're doomed to to die and be eaten by dogs. Yeah. And that like sounds ridiculous and like really <laughs> disgusting, but that that is like the punishment of them. So they're like cursed to die and be eaten by dogs. And what's crazy about it is like it was supposed to happen in such a way. Um what was it? Was this supposed to be outside the city? Is that what was that for their fate as well? Um, oh, anyone, wait, maybe I'm taking that out anyone belonging to Ahab who dies in the city, the dogs shall eat. And anyone of his who dies in the open country, the birds of the heavens shall eat. Okay. So they would have been. Yeah. Like they're going to die basically. Right. And what's interesting is the Bible goes out of its way to record the fact that when both Ahab and Jezebel die, it like. The extra detail that's included in both stories is that the dogs licked up their blood, basically. Mm-hmm. But I think what's interesting, maybe I missed this little part, but it says, because Ahab humbled himself after he heard this from Elijah, because he humbled himself before me, I will not bring the disaster in his days. So I think there was even another added piece. Like, both of them, that will be their fate, but there will be, like, an extreme amount of disaster that comes upon the people as well. But it says, I won't do it in his days. I'll do it in the days of his son, yep. which is like, ah, what's worse? It is I feel interesting. like it's definitely worse to be the son. I think this is some of that, some of what we've pointed out before and that God is merciful, but he doesn't always remove the consequences. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, that's the same for us. He's merciful to us, but the consequence is still there. And so Ahab has had a hand in misleading Israel to a significant degree. Um, Ahab here repents in a way that seems out of character, I think. Mm-hmm. I think in the last couple of chapters where we've been reading about him, he seems pretty resolute in his defiance. Um, but here, when Elijah confronts him, he's like, you know what? What I have done is wrong. Like, mm-hmm. this is this is wrong. Now, what's interesting is um, he repents because basically Elijah is challenging his, like, authority and kingship and reign. And it's like, well, I don't want to give that up. Like, mm-hmm. I'll repent for that. Um so it, we do see then, uh, soon we'll see that Ahab is going to ride out into a battle kind of disguised and he's going to be shot by an archer and the, the details recorded are like, you know, the blood ran into the chariot. They washed out the chariot. The dogs looked up the blood and it's fulfilling this prophecy because Ahab did not stick in his repentance. Hmm. Uh, he just continues to do evil in the sight of the Lord. So this is a, unfortunately just... A temporary sidetrack, um, but Ahab is going to decide to stick to his wicked progression, perhaps because he's constantly being encouraged by Jezebel. Mm-hmm. So, what's a year part? Kind of feel like it has to do a little bit with just um, with grace and mercy, but also like greed and selfishness. It's kind of well. We're reading through the story, good. like it is odd that God is like, "Oh, he's repenting." Okay. Like, you, you would expect that the requirement would be more significant. Or that God wasn't surprised by it. 
That's more my thing. You would expect that his, um, I, I don't know, his his mercy is oftentimes surprising. Mm-hmm. Like, it's often like, really? That's that's all that was necessary? He threw on sackcloth and you forgave him and he's been doing all these terrible things? But that assumes that God doesn't see the heart. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I, I think what I'm taking away from it is God's mercy is sometimes shocking. Mm-hmm. And his grace and his forgiveness is sometimes the last thing we would expect and probably hard for us to swallow sometimes. Uh, I think about Paul in the New Testament. He's just marching around killing Christians as much as he can. And the early church actually had a really hard time trusting mm-hmm. that I mean, I would. Paul was safe to invite into their homes because God gave him grace like quickly mm-hmm. and awkwardly. <laughs> and so I think it's it's kind of kind of encouraging. You know, what, what you could do is think about, you know, may, maybe that is for you in your own life. Maybe... God's grace, um, knowing that it's shocking is something you can embrace quickly. Mm-hmm. It's not a long-term process. You just repent and he gives you grace. Um, it's helpful for other people. If you've been following Jesus for a long time, uh, if there are people in your lives who have not been following Jesus for a long time, it can be encouraging to think about how in the blink of an eye, God's grace is extended and lives are changed. And so, like, if you've been sharing the gospel for a long time with somebody, if you've been praying for a long time for somebody, sometimes it's not a long-term process. It's an immediate process where it's like, you know what? I'm turning for my sin today. Mm-hmm. And God's grace is extended. So I think it's awesome. I think it is awesome that God is that way. Uh, he definitely has a standard. We don't We don't give up the fact that God has a standard and there is a way to live and we don't mm-hmm. take advantage of his grace. Uh, But he extends grace in pretty wild ways. And we see that here with Ahab and we continue to see that today. So be encouraged in that. Continue praying for those people that are far from God. Uh, Know that God's grace is sufficient in your own life. Um, We are going to be finishing up uh, 1 Kings tomorrow. And that's exciting to me. So That's crazy. Yeah. We're just booking right through these books, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) So we'll be back again tomorrow. We'll see you then. Thanks so much for listening to our take today. Before we get into the reading, if we could just ask you one thing, uh, if you've been enjoying the podcast, if you could subscribe to us and then leave a rating and review, we'd love to hear from you. And every rating we get helps us reach more people. Ultimately, we're just trying to reach people with the truth of God's word and your review will help us do that. So thanks so much for being invested in the podcast. Here's the reading for today. First Kings chapter 20. Ben-Hadad, the king of Syria, gathered all his army together. Thirty-two kings were with him, and horses and chariots, and he went up and closed in on Samaria and fought against it. And he sent messengers into the city to Ahab king of Israel, and said to him, Thus says Ben-Hadad, Your silver and your gold are mine, your best wives and children are also mine. And the king of Israel answered, As you say, my lord, O king, I am yours, and all that I have. The messengers came again and said, Thus says Ben-Hadad, I sent to you, saying, Deliver to me your silver and your gold, your wives and your children. Nevertheless, I will send my servants to you tomorrow about this time, and they shall search your house and the houses of your servants, and lay hands on whatever pleases you, and take it away. Then the king of Israel called all the elders of the land and said, Mark now and see how this man is seeking trouble, for he sent to me for my wives and my children, and for my silver and my gold, and I did not refuse him. And all the elders and all the people said to him, Do not listen or consent. So he said to the messengers of Ben-Hadad, 
Tell my lord the king, all that you have first demanded of your servant I will do, but this thing I cannot do. And the messengers departed and brought him word again. Ben-Hadad sent to him and said, The gods do so to me, and more also, if the dust of Samaria shall suffice for handfuls for all the people who follow me. And the king of Israel answered, Tell him, Let not him who straps on his armor boast himself as he takes it off. When Ben-Hadad heard this message as he was drinking with the kings in the booths, he said to the men, Take your positions. And they took their positions against the city. And behold, a prophet came near to Ahab king of Israel and says, Thus says the Lord, Have you seen all the great multitude? Behold, I will give it into your hand this day, and you shall know that I am the Lord. And Ahab said, By whom? He said, Thus says the Lord, By the servants of the governors of the districts. Then he said, Who shall begin the battle? He answered, You. Then he mustered the servants of the governors of the districts, and they were two hundred and thirty-two. And after them he mustered all the people of Israel, seven thousand. And they went out at noon, while Ben-Hadad was drinking himself drunk in the booths. And the servants of the governors of the districts went out first. And Ben-Hadad sent out scouts, and they reported to him, Men are coming out from Samaria. He said, If they have come out for peace, take them alive. Or if they have come out for war, take them alive. So these went out of the city, the servants of the governors of the districts, and the army that followed them. And each struck down his man. The Syrians fled, and Israel pursued them. But Ben-Hadad, the king of Syria, escaped on a horse with horsemen. And the king of Israel went out and struck the horses and chariots and struck the Syrians with a great blow. Then the prophet came near to the king of Israel and said to him, Come, strengthen yourself and consider well what you have to do, for in the spring the king of Syria will come again against you. And the servants of the king of Syria said to him, Their gods are the gods of the hills, and so they are stronger than we. But let us fight against them in the plain, and surely we shall be stronger than they. And do this, remove the kings each from his post, and put commanders in their places, and muster an army like the army that you have lost, horse for horse and chariot for chariot. Then we will fight against them in the plain, and surely we shall be stronger than they. And he listened to their voice and did so. In the spring Ben-Hadad mustered the Syrians and went up to Aphek to fight against Israel. And the people of Israel were mustered and were provisioned and went against them. The people of Israel encamped before them like two little flocks of goats, but the Syrians filled the country. And a man of God came near and said to the king of Israel, Thus says the Lord, Because the Syrians have said the Lord is a God of the hills, but he is not a God of the valleys, therefore I will give all this great multitude into your hand, and you shall know that I am the Lord. And they encamped opposite of one another seven days. Then on the seventh day the battle was joined. And the people of Israel struck down the Syrians, one hundred thousand foot soldiers, in one day. And the rest fled into the city of Aphek, and the wall fell upon twenty-seven thousand men who were left. Ben-Hadad also fled and entered an inner chamber in the city. And his servants said to him, Behold now, we have heard that the kings of the house of Israel are merciful kings. Let us put sackcloth around our waists and ropes on our heads and go out to the king of Israel. Perhaps he will spare your life. So they tied sackcloth around their waists and put ropes on their heads and went out to the king of Israel and said, Your servant Ben-Hadad says, Please, let me live. And he said, Does he still live? He is my brother. Now they took it up from him and said, Yes, your brother Ben-Hadad. Then he said, Go and bring him. Then Ben-Hadad came out to him, and he caused him to come up into the chariot. And Ben-Hadad said to him, 
The cities that my father took from your father I will restore, and you may establish bazaars for yourself in Damascus, as my father did in Samaria. And Ahab said, I will let you go on these terms. So he made a covenant with him and let him go. And a certain man of the sons of the prophets said to his fellow at the command of the Lord, Strike me, please. But the man refused to strike him. Then he said to him, Because you have not obeyed the voice of the Lord, behold, as soon as you have gone from me, a lion shall strike you down. And as soon as he had departed from him, a lion met him and struck him down. Then he found another man and said, Strike me, please. And the man struck him, struck him and wounded him. So the prophet departed and waited for the king by the way, disguising himself with a bandage over his eyes. And as the king passed, he cried out to the king and said, Your servant went out into the midst of the battle. And behold, a soldier turned and brought a man to me and said, Guard this man. If by any means he is missing, your life shall be for his life, or else you shall pay a talent of silver. And as your servant was busy here and there, he was gone. The king of Israel said to him, So shall your judgment be. You yourself have decided it. Then he hurried to take the bandage away from his eyes, and the king of Israel recognized him as one of the prophets. And he said to him, Thus says the Lord, Because you have let go out of your hand the man whom I have devoted for destruction, therefore your life shall be for his life, and your people for his people. And the king of Israel went to his house, vexed and sullen, and came to Samaria. First Kings chapter 21 now Naboth the Jezreelite had a vineyard in Jezreel, besides the place of Ahab king of Samaria. And after his, this Ahab said to Naboth, Give me your vineyard, that I may have it for a vegetable garden, because it is near my house, and I will give you a better vineyard for it. Or if it seems good to you, I will give you its value in money. But Naboth said to Ahab, The Lord forbid that I should give you the inheritance of my father's. And Ahab went into his house vexed and sullen because of what Naboth the Jezreelite had said to him, for he had said, I will not give you the inheritance of my fathers. And he lay down on his bed and turned away his face and would not eat food. But Jezebel his wife came to him and said to him, Why is your spirit so vexed that you do not eat food? And he said to her, Because I spoke to Naboth the Jezreelite and said to him, Give me your vineyard for money. Or else, if you please, I will give you another vineyard for it. And he answered, I will not give you my vineyard. And Jezebel his wife said to him, Do you now govern Israel? Arise and eat bread and let your heart be cheerful. I will give you the vineyard of Naboth the Jezreelite. So she wrote letters in Nahab's name and sealed them with his seal. And she sent the letters to the elders and the leaders who lived with Naboth in his city. And she wrote in letters, Proclaim a fast, and set Naboth at the head of the people, and set two worthless men opposite him, and let them bring a charge against him, saying, You have cursed God and the king. Then take him out and stone him to death. And the men of the city, the elders and the leaders who lived in the, his city, did as Jezebel had sent word to them. As it was written in the letters that she had sent to them, they proclaimed a fast, and set Naboth at the head of the people. And the two worthless men came in and sat opposite him. And the worthless men brought a charge against Naboth in the presence of the people, saying, Naboth cursed God and the king. So they took him outside the city and stoned him to death with stones. And they sent to Jezebel, saying, Naboth has been stoned. He is dead. As soon as Jezebel heard that Naboth had been stoned and was dead, 
Jezebel said to Ahab, Arise, take possession of the vineyard of Naboth the Jezreelite, which he refused to give you for money. And Naboth is not alive, but dead. And as soon as Ahab heard that Naboth was dead, Ahab arose to go down to the vineyard of Naboth the Jezreelite to take possession of it. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite, saying, Arise, go down to meet Ahab king of Israel, who is in Samaria. Behold, he is in the vineyard of Naboth, where he is going to take possession. And you shall say to him, Thus says the Lord, Have you killed and also taken possession? And you shall say to him, Thus says the Lord, In the place where dogs licked up the blood of Naboth shall dogs lick up your own blood. Ahab said to Elijah, Have you found me, O my enemy? He answered, I have found you, because you have sold yourself to do what is evil in the sight of the Lord. Behold, I will bring disaster upon you. I will utterly burn you up and will cut off from Ahab every male, bond or free, in Israel. And I will make your house like the house of Jeroboam, the son of Nabat, and like the house of Basha, the son of Ahijah, for the anger to which you have provoked me, and because you have made Israel to sin. And of Jezebel, the Lord also said, The dogs shall eat Jezebel within the walls of Jezreel. Anyone belonging to Ahab who dies in the city, the dogs shall eat. Anyone belonging to Ahab who dies in the city, the dogs shall eat. And anyone of his who dies in open country, the birds of the heavens shall eat. There was none who sold himself to do what was evil in the sight of the Lord like Ahab, whom Jezebel his wife incited. He acted very abominably in going after idols, as the Amorites had done, whom the Lord cast out before the people of Israel. And when Ahab heard those words, he tore his clothes and put sackcloth on his flesh and fasted and lay in sackcloth and went about dejectedly. And the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite, saying, Have you seen how Ahab has humbled himself before me? Because he has humbled himself before me, I will not bring the disaster in his days, but in his son's days I will bring disaster upon his house. Thanks so much for listening to God's Plan, Your Part. If anything stuck out to you, if you have any questions, or if you'd like to receive a Bible, you can email us at godsplanyourpart at gmail.com. Also, if you're enjoying the podcast, please consider supporting us through the link in our description. We love that you're on this journey with us, and we hope you have a great day. See you tomorrow.